Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. And today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking on the subject of hope. You got to have hope. It is essential for survival. You know, I was reading a part of uh, a powerful article entitled Dying of Despair. And this psychiatrist observes there is a rise in deaths from suicide and drug overdoses and points out to a number of long-term studies that have analyzed the difference between high-risk patients who survive and those who die by suicide. They've lost hope, but here's the conclusion of the research. Over a 10-year span, it turns out that the number one factor most strongly predictive of suicide is not how sick a person is, uh, not even the symptoms that they exhibit. It's not even how much physical pain that they are enduring. It's not whether or not they're rich or they're poor. The most dangerous factor is a person's sense of hopelessness. You see, the man without hope is the likeliest candidate for suicide. We cannot live without hope. Walt Disney's daughter begged him to make a a movie about their favorite book, Mary Poppins. Back in 2013, the film Saving Mr. Banks was released, starring Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks. In the story of Pamela Travelers, it's a story of Mary Poppins. Due to the success of her children's book, Walt Disney and his team try to convince Travers to turn her book and her character into a film. Travers is very reluctant and throughout the entire creative process and eventually shuts down emotionally and returns to London, unable to let the film continue. Travers' characters are are not simply characters to her, they're actually family. In fact, we learn through the flashbacks that Mr. Banks is modeled somewhat after her own very flawed father. And Mary is modeled after her aunt. In a powerful sense, at the end of the movie, Walt Disney, that was played by Tom Hanks, comes to Travers, comes to her house in England to talk with her about the film. After sharing about his own painful childhood, Disney delivers this profound monologue. Give Mary Poppins to me, Mrs. Travers. Trust me with your precious Mary Poppins. I won't disappoint you. I swear that every time a person goes into a movie house, they will see George Banks being saved. They will love him and his kids. They will weep for his cares and wring their hands when he loses his job. And when he flies that kite, oh, they will rejoice. They will sing. Walt Disney continues, in every movie house all over the world, in the eyes of the hearts of my kids, George Banks will be honored, maybe not in life, but in imagination, because that's what we storytellers do. We restore order with imagination. We instill hope again and again and again. Trust me, Mrs. Travers. Let me prove it to you. I give you my word. Well, as you think about Mary Poppins and that amazing film, what an, an encouragement that film is. But when we look at biblical hope, 
Biblical hope does not come from the desires of expectation of what's going to happen. It's not based upon our circumstances. Hope is that understanding that if I hold on, pain will end. Biblical hope is not, well, I hope my team wins the Super Bowl or I hope I get a raise. Biblical hope is not hope so. It's no so. It isn't wishing for the best. It isn't waiting to see what happens and hope it all turns out well. Hope is not really a feeling. It's not an emotion. Hope is the knowledge of facts. If somebody says to you, I hope you have a good day, there's no guarantee that the day will go well. To have biblical hope is to have that sure anchor of the soul. Not hoping for rain because the forecast says there's a 60% chance of rain uh, so that you hope that you get your garden watered. That's not hope. That's really wishful thinking. Uh, It's utterly undependable. It has no power to bring about anything. Human hope pales in comparison to biblical hope. Uh, So let's read what hope is as a definition. The Christian definition of hope is far superior to that of the world. Instead of wishing for or hoping something to happen, a believer knows that their hope is solid. It's concrete evidence because it is grounded in the Word of God. We know that God cannot lie. So for the Christian, hope is that blessed assurance. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is hope that is like faith, hope that cannot be moved by circumstances or cannot be moved by what we see. Hope resides within the unseen things of God. I guess we could say hope is 100% confident in God's Word, that God's Word is 100% true. I expect results, and I can be certain on those results because I'm confident in God's Word. I'm confident in the author of God's Word. My hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. You know, throughout the Bible, we have many wonderful examples of hope. Maybe the Apostle Paul gave us the best example of hope in Romans chapter 8. You know, whenever I encounter hopelessness, and whenever I see new believers that are struggling with hope, and sometimes even more experienced believers having some doubts about their salvation, I will direct them to Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25 where Paul tells the believer, for in this hope we are saved. What is that hope? The hope of Christ. He says, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with it in patience. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on your side, you have hope that assurance that God is going to come through. He always will. He always has. My hope is in Him. My confidence is in Him. You know, nations do not die from invasion. They die from internal rottenness, so says Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln is often referred to as America's greatest president. He served at a time in which our nation was terribly divided. What made him such a great president is where he found his hope and where he led the nation to find her hope. 
The Civil War lasted from April 12, 1861 through April the 9th, 1865 in the surrendering grounds of Appomattox, Virginia. Abraham Lincoln gave this address on March the 4th, 1865. He said, fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away, yet if God wills, that it continue until all the wealth piled up by the bondsmen, 250 years of unrequented toil, shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood be drawn with a lash, shall be paid by another drawn with a sword. As was said 3,000 years ago, so must it be said. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That was Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address given on March the 4th, 1865. The war ended April 9th, 1865. Lincoln called America the last best hope of man on the earth. Yet in our time, our land, thousands of children have been aborted. When you think about all that our nation has been through, Abraham Lincoln said that our nation has been stamped with a divine image. We have been sent into this world with this divine image. I want you to know God's given us a wonderful opportunity, but if we lose our hope, we will be of the most miserable people on the planet. We have hope that is given to us. You got to have hope. Hope is what is going to drive you and allow you to continue on. You know, humans seek after hope like a moth seeks after life. It's intrinsic to who we are. Neuroscientists tell us that it's essential for us to have hope if we're going to survive. It's hardwired into our brain. We must have hope. Uh, We will live healthier if we tap into hope. Studies have shown that college kids get a higher grade in their their GPAs when they are hopeful that they're going to graduate. You know, hopeful athletes perform much better on the field. That's why a coach will try to pump up his team, uh, try to fill him with hope before the game begins. You see, uh, if you're filled with hope, you're able to better deal with injuries. You're better to have a, you have a better mental health adjustment when situations change. Hope drives us. In one study of the elderly, and those who said they were feeling hopeless, they were twice as likely to die than those who were optimistic, those who were filled with hope. Well, it's pretty clear. Hope is powerful. But why do we need hope so much in our lives? It is the essential truth to the fact that we need to be strong and our strength is based upon our hope. It is an emotional part of our lives, but is an essential part of our lives. Well, what could happen if we were filled with hope? Maybe you're listening to me today and say, man, I have lost all hope. I want you to know that your life will be changed if you will tap into some hope. What's going to happen if you are filled with hope? Well, it's going to be this allowance of your hurts to be healed. Look what Peter says, 1 Peter 5.10, after we have suffered a little while. Okay, you're going to suffer a little while. And he says, after we have suffered a little while, the God of our grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, healing is painful, right? 
There's no doubt that healing is painful. But not healing is deadly. I have a special needs son. And many years ago, uh, he bit my finger. He would have these um, episodes where he would just lose it. And uh, it would be 20, sometimes 30 minutes of sheer terror where he would go on this attack mode. He'd hit himself and he'd and he would attack me. As a matter of fact, he put me uh, in the hospital one time in the emergency room, put my wife in the emergency room one time, and and uh, two of our care providers ended up being hospitalized because of him. And one time when he bit this finger of mine, uh, the healing process was very long uh, because it got infected. And so the doctor had to go through, and he had to actually lance the infection, allow it to drain, and then put some uh, some ointment on it, and the process was painful. The process was well, it was slow. But if I hadn't gone through the process, let's say I decided I'm not going to remove the infection. Uh, you know, if you get bit by a person, uh, there's more infection uh, by being bit by a human there is than there is by being bit by a dog, right? So you got to be very careful when you get bit by a person, right? Uh, it can become deadly. Let's say I never wanted to do anything about that. Never wanted to get it cleaned out. Never wanted to get the infection drained. I said, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it go, right? That infection would have spread throughout the rest of my body. You know, too many times we put our hope in our hurt. We rehearse it, we nurse it, we defend it, and sometimes we can even look for biblical support to hold on to that hurt. But nursing and rehearsing that hurt doesn't bring about healing. Healing is painful, but not healing is deadly. So let hope heal your hurts. Paul says, after you suffered a little while, the God of our grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God can bring hope. The psalmist said that hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Here's my hope for you today. Trust the Lord to bring healing. Put your hope in Him. Don't put your hope in that hurt. Don't keep rehearsing it. Don't keep nursing it. Put your hope in Christ. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Here's something else I've noticed about hope. You will never get past whatever causes you to lose hope. Hope, that is a stopping point for you. Hebrews 11.11 says, By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Sarah could have got stuck. She could have got that loss of hope. You see, God comes to Abraham. Abraham's 75 years old. And God says, Abraham. You're going to become a father. You'll be the ancestor of a great nation. But it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. You know how long it is before that promise became true? Years, right? Abraham waits 24 years. Now, I'm thinking at 75 years old, that's kind of old to become a parent. Can you imagine waiting an additional 24 years? That's how long Abraham waited. God told Israel, his people, that they'd be a nation able to leave the slavery 
of Egypt. They were going to become independent. How long did they have to wait? 440 years. They were in bondage for 400 years, and then they had an additional 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. And God told Moses that he would lead those people into the promised land, but they had to go into the wilderness for an additional 40 years. Then came the great promise of the Messiah. The Redeemer, the Savior, was going to come. God's people waited. They waited generation after generation, century after century, and God seemed silent. For almost 1,500 years prior to the birth of Jesus, God began to give his people an enormous amount of information. He began to give them an enormous amount of hope. There's an encyclopedia called the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy where J. Barton Payne itemized 127 messianic predictions involving more than 3,000 Bible verses with a remarkable 574 verses directly referring to the Messiah himself. Then when the Messiah came, he was only recognized by a few. He wasn't at all what they thought they were waiting for. In fact, he was only recognized by those who were waiting for him. But those who were waiting for him experienced unbelievable healing from their hurts. There's another fact about hope that I think we must constantly dwell on. What could happen if I let hope overcome my fears? I want you to know that I am not by nature one who is able to overcome fears. I'm fearful of public speaking. I'm fearful of enclosed-in spaces. I'm fearful of, of running out of money. I'm fearful that my health may uh, fail me. I'm fearful that I don't have the answers uh, that my family needs and my church needs. Uh, but I want you to know my hope is not in my fears. My hope is in Christ. Isaiah 41 says, So do not be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will sustain you if you will put your confidence in him. So walk in faith, not in fear. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You know, we're quickly getting to the Christmas season, my favorite time of the year. And I know some of you listening to me may really not look forward to Christmas because it may bring up some very unfond memories. But the reason I love Christmas is because the hope that it delivers. Do you remember that Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem? Uh, Here are the lyrics. O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting hope. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And now Pastor Philip Brooks is the author of those lyrics. We don't know what he was thinking about when he penned these words in 1868, but hope and fears are a universal emotion. Uh, they're powerful emotions. They are controlling emotions. But many times, 
hopes and fears are at odds with each other. What hope longs to embrace? Fear pushes just out of our reach. Our hopes and fears collide. Much like eternity collided with time many years ago in that village in Bethlehem. How did the birth of Jesus answer the hopes and fears of Mary and Joseph? The question comes to us is, how are we dealing with our fears? Are we focusing on the darkness and on the gloom and and losing hope? Or are we focusing on hope through Jesus and losing our fears? This is an amazingly powerful passage of Scripture that Jesus gives comfort in our deepest fears. He provides for our greatest hope. Peter penned it this way in 1 Peter 1.8, Whom having not seen, we love, in whom though now not seeing him, yet we believe. We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of our faith, that is the salvation of our souls. You see, our deepest fear might be death, but our greatest hope is eternal life, spend fellowshipping with our Creator, the one who has given us the salvation of our souls. Truly in Christ, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I want to encourage you to join me tomorrow for part two of this broadcast of You Gotta Have Hope. I've given you two reasons so far. I'll give you a few more tomorrow as you join me in the broadcast. But what could happen in your life today if you decided to let hope heal your hurts instead of focusing on those hurts? How about focusing on the hope of healing? When you go through times of suffering, realize that the God of all grace, He has called you into eternal glory. He will restore you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen you. He will establish you. Listen, it's painful to go through a healing process. There's no doubt about that. I think about the birth of a child. I'm so happy to report that I will soon be the grandfather of grandson number three. Isn't that amazing? There's a painful process going through and bringing forth a child in this world. Healing is painful, but not healing is deadly. Don't nurse and rehearse those hurts. Put your hope in Christ. He will bring about healing. And then we've learned also today that if we're going to have hope, we must understand that our hope is based on the fact that we can overcome our fears. What would happen if you let hope drive the fears from you? You know, the Bible is so filled with encouraging passages on this subject of hope. I'm so glad that God has given us the blessed hope found in the Word of God. So I want to encourage you, and I want to share something with you uh, that might help you to dig deeper into God's Word. Uh, Many years ago, I was given uh, a Bible, and it's called the Life Essentials Study Bible. Uh, It's by by Dr. Gene Getz. And uh, and as you look at the design of this Bible, uh, I want to encourage you to look online and maybe buy one of these Bibles, because I think they run about $70. And what they do when you donate uh, this $70, they will send you the Life Essentials Study Bible, and some of the proceeds from that money is used to purchase Bibles for inmates. So it's a good investment. But as you look at this Bible, 
uh, that is, it gives you an opportunity to uh, have sections highlighted. And uh, it's the Life Essentials Study Bible by Gene Getz. And, uh, and, and there's a, a QR uh, code in several sections of the Bible. And you just put your phone over that QR code, and it will bring you to a video where Dr. Gene Getz will give you a, a commentary on that particular part of Scripture. And it's based on essentials, uh, life essentials, and his points throughout the whole Bible. It's an amazing Bible. I use it often in my sermon preparation, and I use it in my personal Bible study. So I want to recommend that you get that. And by doing so, a certain amount of the money that you pay for that Bible will be used to purchase Bibles for inmates. Well, join me tomorrow for part two of You Gotta Have Hope. Hope will give you the ability to overcome your fears. Hope will give you the ability to overcome your hurts. Thank you so much for joining me today. And and if I can pray for you, you know, every Thursday morning at 5 a.m., I have a team of people that are praying on a conference call. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, Shoot me a text, 252-267-2365, and we will pray for you personally by name. If you want us to pray anonymously for you, we'll be happy to do that. Uh, That number one more time to receive prayer, 252-267-2365. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.